0: So the three divisions of the path are sila, samadhi, panya, ethics, or virtue, and uh, meditation and <clears throat> wisdom, <clears throat> really not uh, separate, but they're three ways of uh, referring to and uh, purifying intention. So the intention is ethically based, and that includes the qualities of kindness and goodwill, non-abuse to oneself and others. So that's keeping that intentionality there. It's towards uh, medit- uh, samadhi, that is a sense of unified, rather than agitated or scattered, that which inclines towards simplicity of focus, that inclines towards inner an inner calm, firmness, rather than uh, strung out, leading outwards. <laughs> so we call it the dhamma leading inwards, whereas the world is, tends to lead outwards. <laughs> so you can feel your energy just leaking out, you know. And it's a, so the whole process of samadhi is, is going against that. Your intention is to lead inwards and, and lead onwards to to uh, realisation. <coughs> Yeah. And then wisdom, or discernment, banya, the intention to keep keep aware of one's intentions, really, the cause and effect, the results of it, where we're coming from, what we're expecting, what we're aiming at. And uh, so this aspect. And really that's going on at the same time. It sounds a lot. <laughs> mm why we meditate a lot because it's like every moment you're looking at the same basic thread of what the mind's intentionality Mm -hmm. sounds a lot but in fact that makes it simple also because whatever one's doing sitting walking speaking moving around you keep your eye or your wisdom your samadhi eye ethical eye on your intentionality This isn't just a a reasoning quality, it's to do with uh, basic impulse, Mm. inclination, expectation, hope, need, want, fear, desire, gross, subtle, whatever it is. There's one thing that's uh, called mundane intentions are those which tend towards some sense of solidity. That is, one's doing something in order to become something. And that sounds totally reasonable. What else should we be doing? Hmm. To become better people, to become more calm, to become more solid, to become more this, that and the other. This is called mundane. It's not wrong, it's just mundane. Mm. It's not a pejorative term, it just means that 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 we become is that which has to be held together and tends to break up, like we all die, we will pass away. Our qualities of, of calm can disappear. Mm. The mind can be asked to move rather rapidly when we've got it to slow down, suddenly has to move, pick up speed and get active again with something or the other we have to do. These mind states come and go and change. We, so we, but this mundane intention searches or looks for the solid security, get things sorted out, get the future established, get the present tidied up, You know, community nicely, steady and solid and harmonious. Well, for the sangha, the world, the country, you know, whatever it is, one's family, and so on. It's that, the present trying to get it to unify, solid, and samadhi's like that. It's a mundane um, thing. It's not super mundane. It's mundane. Doesn't mean it's bad or shouldn't be done, but just recognizing this is, is, goes as far as this. And uh, <clears throat> the Buddha commented, you know, you can go a, a long way with samadhi, and there are many wonderful places you can go that we can barely even conceive of, if we you know, refine states. But he said this, uh, this is, these are the best things to hang on to, but the best thing better than that is to not hang on is to is to have a mind that's free from upadi An upada doesn't take a foundation doesn't establish itself that is there is no uh, sense of solidifying or crystallizing around a particular state no sense of claiming it owning it no sense of of lingering in that or feeding upon it. States come, some last a while, some pass quite quickly, some last quite a long while. If it's there, fine, it's not there. Yeah. So so this, um, which is intellectually conceivable, but rather difficult to do. We tend to, in fact, as one thing passes, we just jump onto something else to get something a bit more solid, more reliable. Mm-hmm holds us better, more comfortably. And this is uh, all, that's what it does. And this is all, yeah, and so naturally in meditation, you one, one of the skills is to generate a, a kind of a perceptual realm, a domain, a foundation. That's a lot better than the rickety, crummy stuff that we often find ourselves hopping around on. <laughs> you know, which is just really not going anywhere useful. And with these uh, more steadier states, then that's the possibility to really look into things more clearly, that actually no states are solid. So the supramundane opens out of the skillful mundane. If you don't have a skillful mundane, supramundane is just an idea. an interesting idea. We don't experience that until there's a skillful foundation. is mm. so what samadhi is about means your intention becomes quite purified and steady. You know what it is. Whereas without that, it's sometimes difficult to really get a clear idea what the mind is doing. <clears throat> but what this means, interesting enough, is that the samadhi... Doesn't have to be absolutely rock solid, you know. You'd think that, in logically, the, the the stronger it is, the better it is. The Buddha says, "Well, no, not really. It's it's certainly better in some respects. It's more pleasing, more nourishing, more sustaining. But what you need for insight is is good enough. You know, getting the sense of good enough to be able to witness some of these reflexes." To clear away some of the really superficial stuff and to look at the reflexes of that which wants to find or have something solid. This is a useful uh, thing to bear in mind, reflections. Because when we can't find it internally, we want to find it externally, find a situation that's going to be solid. Monastery is going to be solid. Community see teachers are going to be solid. <laughs> you know. And this is just coming up to the uh, Ajahn Chah Memorial Day. I was just brought, brought to mind this morning to a little bit how there's an the example of when... Um, Jack Cornfield, who was studying with him for a while, sort of could see some of the things that weren't so nice about Ajahn Chah's behaviour. He'd, t- he'd t- smoke and chew beetle nuts and chat and, and do things that weren't very kind of solid and wonderful, that arahant should be the way they are. It wasn't doing anything grossly immoral, but just kind of things that are a bit laid-back or sloppy or gross, you know, slightly coarse behaviour or talking a lot, not really... Being there like a statue all day long. So he's pointing, he went to Ajahn Chah and started to kind of point these things out. This is because, uh, Jack Cornfield was, was, uh, <laughs> Americans feel that's the way to behave. <laughs> Be open and let's get a dialogue going. <laughs> ties <Thais. laughs> would never, never dream of doing this. <laughs> totally different thing. Ajahn didn't mind. Because he was he was big enough, you know. <laughs> he just laughed and said, "Oh, good, good. I'm glad you can't see your Buddha outside yourself. So try looking for it within yourself instead. <laughs> Go back to your kuti and meditate. You know, stop trying to pin your Buddha image on me <laughs> to be this, you know, big agile that you can just kind of sit in awe of." Mm-hmm. And the monastery itself, Wap Ba Pong, was also pretty kind of up and down all the time, noisy. People were coming and going, complaints, struggles, you know, sometimes very peaceful, sometimes a lot of strife and conflict, some monks with loud opinions, or and people slacking off, and then it would get really strict and tight and strong again, and it would kind of crumble again. It was like that. And is going kind to of cruise cruise along in it, so you know, don't get hung up don't get caught up in these things. you know you want the monastery to be the best place in the world, best place in Thailand this that you can really believe in you know this is you're looking for a turtle with a mustache. <laughs> Tell me when you find it. And then you know you you just kind of bear, bear that in mind. That's that was, uh, and he had absolute confidence in that. So there is something solid. If you like, the solidity is non-attachment, non-grasping. You can call it a solidity, a real foundation on non-grasping. <clears throat> the ethical intention is still there, and it, you know as I was saying, Virgin Charles certainly. Vineyard was clear, ethically, he steady. You know. Personally, his meditation was uh, quite profound. But in terms of just manifestations, you know, and recognizing he was great at, at pulling the carpet away, pulling the rug out from underneath people's feet, who wanted things to be all steady and serene and pure and straight and tidy and beautiful and something you could really put on a shrine and adore. No, it's not, it's just this. Kind slightly tacky, a bit run down, you know. And some good people, some struggling people, some people losing it, some people really strong, mixtures, you know. It's not bad, it's not good, it's just this. And that... Um, there's just a kind of re- reflection to, even your own mind is a bit like that. He's saying, looking at the mind, he's saying, well, one of his things was monkeys are like this. <laughs> you look at the mind, monkeys are like this. This is what they're like. They jump around a lot. Hmm? And his own practice was, one uh, well, based on developing that quality of calm and steadiness, and then, re- deliberately thinking, reflecting, bringing things in, turning it over, looking at attitudes and assumptions, what one gets hung up on, what one resists, what one feels one can't bear, what one feels one has to have, and really challenging those assumptions, either in meditation or or in life. You know, really a lot of ability to bear with things that you know, apparently one's mind wouldn't bear, couldn't, didn't want to bear, but you can bear. So all this is—is is our intention becomes very strong and clear. We're not to to believe in it, not to get lost in it. This is a sense of an emotional disengagement. Or belief disengagement from the convictions and the opinions and the resistances of our of our of our heart mind. You're training it. So, this is towards the more supra mundane, It's really non clinging, <coughs> not taking a foundation. But it's based upon the mundane, <coughs> which means we establish a foundation that's good enough. Yeah. That's uh, I didn't, again Ajahn Chah's expression good enough. Well, how good is good enough? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it always brought back to you to know what's good enough, yeah. and not just good enough as a as a, a shrug or an excuse or well you know this is best I can do. But really, no, this is good enough. You know, this is there's some solidity here. Where is that? It doesn't come from the books, or the texts, or the images, or other people, something in yourself, you know, has that sense. It's a certain sense of assurance. So what this this you could say this is quite a crucial uh, point, though it's colloquially expressed. Your intention is not is no longer with doubt, trying to reach something or have something or self judging, self comparing. Just this is good enough now. And, you know, maybe, who knows, in a year's time, that that will have moved on, changed. But we just find that place where it's good enough now. And you have to find, realize that, because in terms of samadhi particularly, I mean, there's huge dimensions of places you, that you could go to if you practice for another 50 years or so. But you can, you know, you can go on that track for a long while, building it up and then losing it and then building it up and losing it. would say, well, actually, yeah, you, you could do that. Maybe s- some situations and some conditions and some karma people have that capacity. Maybe you don't. But do you have enough? And it's an interesting word, isn't it, enough? It's not a word that uh, comes easily to us humans. We can always think of a bit more, (laughs) would be nice. (laughs) That's really easy. Enough is a difficult thing (laughs) to have. But this is uh, this is the renunciation of those uh, vistas and visions of it could be better, <laughs> yeah, could be. If <laughs> it will be, but now is it enough? There's a very power in that actually, tremendous power in that. What the mind is so good at doing is creating alternatives. This is why, on the mundane level, human beings have developed huge um, developments since their, you know, 500 years or so, let alone thousands of years. Even in this century, in one century, incredible developments. Hmm. It's still not good enough, is it? <laughs> and they will continue to do so, develop even more. And guess what? It won't, it won't be enough either. And the point which some people recognize, this this quest for perfection is going is, to... Is, Starting to see the results of it, you know, in terms of the planetary depletion, the the overpopulation, you know, it's fast as too good. <laughs> you know, the price of that the energies that are required to sustain it. Anyway. Not to digress, but just to recognise the power of that of the mind. And yeah, yeah, it can produce something new, better, true. But it can never produce enough. Can't get to that place. So what do you want? Do you want it better or do you want enough? (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're not quite the same thing, are they? So part of the wisdom is to begin to recognise some of these uh, these profound mental assumptions. So assumed we don't even make them; they're just inbred. You know, into the way we function. Mm. This is why it's super mundane, really transformative, because it, it's it's not something that um, comes to us naturally in a normal in a normal way of behaviour or, or conceiving things but the power of that is just to push away the visions and the and the expectations and the dreads and the so then what what happens? It's going to take us more deeply into the moment, isn't it? More deeply into the moment, which is all we really have or are, you know. Even though these are all very colloquial expressions, but you know, it's only it's only this, isn't it? Now. is where, the only place we could really ever gather and experience fullness is right now. So that enough is like a deepening into that. And it's a, a, a amazing, because it's the, the wisdom that begins to see not just the obvious um, defilements or perils or messiness of mental behavior but even this less obvious one which actually is is got a lot of good things going for it on a mundane level but it doesn't take one out of dukkha so the, the Buddha's teaching is really for this people criticise him for not being good enough not being strong enough, ascetic enough, tough enough whatever enough, you know he wasn't as, he, he didn't eat as little as others, he wasn't as strict as some, so he'll criticize him for not being enough. You know? But his teaching was not to be um, ideal. It was just pragmatic, what do you need? What's really helpful to find this place where the stress and the push and the anxiety and the nagging stops. This is the wisdom to dispel or to penetrate some of these assumptions, these inclinations, these attitudes. It does rest on a quality of composure and, and, and steadiness, Primarily, it rests on this intention, which is both ethical, non-abuse towards oneself or others, kindly, focusing, simplifying, steadying into the present moment, what's now. And that, by itself, will tend to, over time, dispel by itself a lot of the past and the future and all their problems and all those complexities you can't really solve them all so when you've started to um, just not get so engaged with the topics of thought saying it's going into the very energy that keeps it all going and what is the energy you know you steady it in your body what's it what's it moving towards where's it going you know, towards something better more comfortable or this that or the other and not quite getting enough of it There's where the letting go can occur, when you begin to see the fallacy of better. Better is only better, it's not enough. So just dis- distinguish between the two. That's what discernment is about, about separating, distinguishing this from that. Enough is one thing, better is another thing. The two are not the same. there's a point at which maybe it needs to be better okay know what you're doing Uh, but don't expect that better to take you by itself to enough you've got to better this is as better as it's gonna (laughs) this is is better enough It's rather like your focus is moving away from the particular state or sensory impingement or physical sensations or or energy configuration into the very quality of intention. What's it reaching for? Can it rest? Mm -hmm. Because uh, nibbāna is the ceasing, the rest of intention. When that volition, that citana... Stops. You can know, just. You, know, you get that? What else could it be? You know, ceasing, blowing out, unbinding from that drive, push, itch, movement. Hmm. If that's still there, still holding something together then you know it's still going to be that quality of stress or tension or trying to make that which is not solid solid and you know as you begin to just play with it does it need to be You now the, we may have this momentary recognition of, oh, that sounds about right, you know. Then we've got to work on places where, in fact, if we, you know, we're not, you know, we haven't strengthened to the point when the mind can stay steady in that, in that letting go. It tends to just get it for a split second and rush to something else, you know. Hold on to something, cause It's like skipping, from one raft to another without learning to swim okay because you can't exactly um, push the process you can stay in that focus and encourage and create the kind of um, warmth, support I was just noticing again this morning looking at I think one of Ajahn Benindo's, uh talks when he's reflecting on something that Ajahn Chai said about uh, getting to the edge of perception. And he'd ask this other, other monk, what happens when you get to the edge of perception? You're like, he's walking towards something if he can't go any further. Ajahn Wang, I think, and Ajahn Wang said to him, well, you know, you think you've got problems. I I was walking up and down my meditation path, I was walking up and down it. I feel I was starting to go down into the ground. I was going down and down and down and then then it started to go up and up and up. Eventually I was walking, I was lifting off the ground. Then I was going up in the air and I got to the treetops, and everything exploded. My guts were all over the place. You know, it completely blew up the whole thing. You know, so I had to recognize it's just the perception. <laughs> so he said, what do you do when you get to the edge of perception? With That feeling of you can't quite, you know, figure or go forward, or you can't go back, or you're not quite satisfied with where you are. That's the place you just, just wait there, rest there. This so is where the, you know, that skill of... releasing intention. Which is sometimes, the, you know, eventually is perhaps the only thing we can really do. Other things we've got percentage chances of being able to do, make things work, make things right, make things strong, make things tidy. We've got good percentages, or some percentages, or, you know, for a while. But the only thing we can really, really do and sometimes this becomes very evident when you're sick or you're dying or you're in some real real fix. You can't get out. You can't. You just something. You just oof, gives up. And so this is uh, in in the cultivation. This is called um, Vosaga, which is considered to be the kind of last gasp, you know, of intention or the last movement that that is the door of nibbana to something. You just, Relinquishment, complete abandonment. That's 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 the that's the path of wisdom, the path of insight, because it's you're looking not in, not about the way the conditions go, which are good and which are bad, but looking to the very nature of conditions. Difference, like difference, Wis- just wisdom by itself is sees difference between good and bad, skillful, unskillful. <coughs> Insight sees into the very fabric, you might say, of uh, of conditions, of thoughts, of states, of perceptions, of jhana, of whatever. You know, it's, it's innately not solid. Some things are more solid than others, but it, but nothing is solid, and that. Continual trying to make it more solid is just, you know, frustration or inadequate. So that it gets good enough to, to see that. That's what good enough is. Good enough to get that realization. So this is the liberating Insight, which is the aspect of wisdom.